Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our next presenter today is considered an expert in the skills of ultralight backpacking and has authored or illustrated a series of instructional books focused on advanced outdoor techniques. He spent nearly 25 years of his life in the Rockies and he now lives in the Adirondacks, which is cool because I had no idea that we were kind of neighbors, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, maybe we can hang out a bit, talk about cool stuff. So he's an avid outdoorsman, but he's also an avid UFO researcher. And he has written extensively on the subject of alien abductions, synchronicities, and owls. Now, um, in abduction contact experiencer lore, owls have, has, have been around quite a bit over the years. Okay? Our, our general understanding of it has been very, very limited. So what is very, very cool today is he's going to talk to you about this particular aspect and just how deep the layers of this go. Um, and I don't think anybody's ever talked about it um, to, you know, to the degree or extent that he's going to talk about it today. So this is very exciting, good stuff, new stuff. Um, and uh, I had a, a little story that I didn't tell you yet. Uh, on the way up here in the car from the airport, I happened to get a driver who was actually very into all this stuff. So it was a good, you know, the ride went quick. We talked about it. Well, about 15 minutes in, he goes, I want to tell you something weird that happened to my niece and see what you think, you know. And he says, well, like she woke up one night, they found her standing by her window, looking out the window, and there was this weird stuff, and, and there was this, she was talking about some bird, and I go, let me guess, it was an owl. That was a bad move. He almost drove the car off the road. I could literally, I could see the goosebumps appear on this guy's arm. He's, how'd you know that? Dude, we got a guy coming to the conference. He's going to talk about this. You got to get the tapes. So I know I've sold at least one set of the tapes to this guy. Before we got here, he admitted he also had had owl experiences. That's how weird this stuff happens. Join me in welcoming Mike Cleland. Um, I just want to start by saying this is a big deal for me to talk in front of this audience. This is a big deal. I didn't recognize how big this conference was. I was invited to the conference and 
the first night I showed up, I kind of peeked in the room here, and it's a big room. Um, so that, so I'm taking this very seriously. This is a big deal for me. Uh, how many people in the room here have had experiences, unusual experiences with owls? Okay, how many people in this room feel like they may have had direct UFO contact? Okay, how many people had their hand up both times? Great, okay, this talks for you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> before I, here I'm gonna say, give me a little clicker, I gotta make sure I'm testing this, this is the clicker here. I gotta also do this. I got two timers here, I don't wanna go over. Great. Um, before I can talk about anything, he, it was mentioned that I did a lot of outdoor work. So for over 20 years, this was my classroom. I was teaching in the outdoors. And uh, just to give you an idea of who I am and the type of stuff, because this will come up throughout the talk. So my classroom, this was the environment I was. This is Alaska. Um, I spent a lot of time sleeping outside, doing stuff in the mountains, working with maps. I also work as an illustrator, so some of the things you're going to see here is stuff I've drawn. So this, all this plays into it, but this outdoor stuff, for me, seems to be interwoven into the bigger story. In the fall of 2006, in October, um, I would have been 44 years old. This is like 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now, which is shocking. So this was the very beginning of this part of my life journey. And uh, I was living out west in the Rockies, right near the Tetons, Grand Teton National Park. And uh, I would go out for one night. This is the environment I would go out in. I would go out for one night, sleep out under the stars. If the, if the weather was nice, I wouldn't take a tent. And I did it a lot. And I loved it. And I still love doing it. And I met someone and got to talking, and I said, oh, do you camp a lot? You've been living here for a while, do you camp a lot? And she's like, no, I haven't camped at all around here. I was like, you're kidding, that's terrible. I'll t well, let's go camping, I'll take you out for one night. So her name is Kristen, and I met her that, just the, like a few days before, and we were camping. So I took her out into the mountains, and we traveled with a very light pack, so we didn't take a shelter, and so there came a point, it doesn't take very long to get deep into the mountains with a light pack on, and, Sun is setting, and I'm making a meal. I'm sitting on a flat rock, and we're talking. And she says something. Sun is setting. Moon is rising. It's a really amazing scene. And she says something, and I'm like, I'm really struck. I'm like, this is, this is, I, this is a stranger. I'm out there with a stranger. She says something. I'm really struck. Wow, this person has a depth that I didn't expect. I'm like surprised. I'm impressed. And at that moment, an owl flew over. And then a second owl flew over. And then a third owl flew over. And for the next couple of hours, these owls would land near us, they would land on branches near us, they would swoop past us. So we ate our dinner, we set our sleeping bags out, and these were, these were real owls that were right close to us. We'd lay our sleeping bags down on the ground, and you'd lay on your back, and then for, for one second, the, blot, the stars would get blotted out when these owls would fly across your face. They're very quiet when they fly. And it was magical. It was so cool. Now, 
afterwards, the next morning, we're like, wow, that was great. Those owls, whew, that was neat. So, hey, if I ever come out camping again, I'm going to call you. Is that okay? She said, great. So a couple days later, it's four days later, called her up. We go camping again. We get to a nice spot in the mountains, completely different location in the mountains. We say, let's walk up to the top of that hill and watch the sunset. So we walk up to the top of the hill. We get to the top of the hill, and an owl lands in a branch. And an owl swoops above us, and an owl lands on the ground. And this time, this time, it wasn't like they were on some branch over there. They were like right there. They would land on the ground right there. You're like looking at this little, and they were short-eared owls, pretty common kind of owl. To have it happen once was pretty cool. To have it happen twice kind of freaked me out. Now, what I said, what I, what I did not say in the moment, and what I'm saying now, and have been saying, and like I knew it was, so in the moment, right in the moment, there was a thought in my mind, it was like a voice in my head, it was this clear sense of knowing this has something to do with the UFOs. And I knew it and I heard it, and by saying that, I was... I was trying to make sense of some things that had happened in my life as a boy and a young man, some events that I couldn't explain. I was reading UFO books. I was kind of compulsively reading UFO books at that time. I knew the implications of the stories I was telling. But there was one detail I could not get out of my mind. I, I started writing about this stuff and started putting it online, and there was one detail from the story that just I couldn't get past. And when I, I started an online blog, and the first story I posted was that story of seeing the owls. And there was one detail that I, that I, so I called up Kristen, and I said, what were you talking about that very first night when the very first owl showed up? And she said, oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. I was trying to articulate my deepest beliefs in God. And that's when the very first owl showed up. Now, I was already sort of unsettled at this point, and this one detail just kind of pushed, freaked me out a little bit. Um, this already weird event, like, took on this transcendent deep meaning to me, and I feel like I spent the next few years um, kind of stuck in this tape loop of, like, basically wondering if I'd gone insane. I had three events as a boy. Uh, well, th two events as a boy and one as a young man. The first was, took place, I was 12 years old in Northville, Michigan. I was uh, looking out my window, or excuse me, I was at a friend's house, and, and he said, look. And we went to look out the window and we saw this. It, it was kind of a coffee can shaped thing and it was descending in this very eerie kind of, um, unusually smooth motion. So it was descending down, and then it disappeared. We both, Kenny and I both ran downstairs. I was with my friend Kenny, and we both ran downstairs, and, and I drew it. He drew it, and I drew it. This is a drawing from when I was 12 years old. The, the more other drawing was more recent. Um, Kristen, from that initial story, is from Northville, Michigan. In the autumn of it's 1974, the same year, I'm pretty sure. I was walking home from a high school football game with a friend. I got to that spot in the sidewalk. That's just a house in the neighborhood, about a block from where I was living. And there was a bright orange flash in the sky. It just felt like the sky lit up orange, poop, turned off. Like God flipped the light switch on, off. Bright orange, weird, iridescent, electric orange. We both went, wow, that was strange. We tried a meteorite, could an explosion, lightning off in the distance, nothing made sense. 
I get to my house, walk in the house, my parents are like, why are you out so late? I'm like, what are you well, I'm not, not late, it's 9.30. The point of the clock was 11.30. The next Monday morning, my friend, also named Mike, said, um, do you remember we saw a UFO with lights and everything? I never brought it up again. In uh, January of 1993, this one's a little more telling. I woke up in the middle of the night and looked out my window and saw this. Um, I would have been 30 years old, and it was this weird, eerie light was backlighting these. And this, I drew them standing still. They were walking. They were walking towards the house. This is a scary image. I should have gotten up. I should have gotten out of bed. I should have locked the doors. I should have freaked out. I didn't. I had this voice in my head that said, oh, yes, they're here. Now is the time to lay your head on the pillow and shut down. That's exactly what I did. The next morning, I never even bothered to go out and look and see if there were marks in the snow. I dismissed it in a as a, it was just a dream. It was way more vivid and clear than any other dream I'd ever had, but I was not going to go there. It was a dream. Fast forward to 2009, I started an online blog. That's what I said the first post was, the first day of posting was that story with Kristen and the owls in the mountains. So the blog is essays of mine about UFO abductions, synchronicities, and owls. Just kind of morphed into this. And I have been cataloging my own experiences on this, on this site, on this online site. Um, and the one question I ask everyone as I have been stepping into the role of researcher, the one question I ask everyone is, have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And it's not 100%, but it's enough. And I've been documenting, collecting, and archiving these stories on my site. And consequently, what happens now is if you're anywhere in the world, right? If you're in Kuala Lumpur and you've had an experience with a UFO and an owl, you, I'm one mouse click away. You Google, my, you Google owls, UFOs, and my name comes up. Not only does it come up, it comes up for like the first 10 things. And on my site, I say, I want to hear your story. So I am getting these stories. And it's my, my partner, Andrea, is in the, in the room here, and she can confirm this. I get up in the morning and drink coffee, and I just read an owl story aloud. And they are so strange. So people have been sharing this stuff. I wrote an online essay a couple years ago. That online essay turned into a great big fat book uh, called The Messengers. And this book was written in a, like a synchronistic cloud. I mean, it felt like, like magic was occurring. It felt like all I had to do was just open my email inbox and the perfect story, the next story for the book would just fall into place. It was a lot of work. I didn't channel it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it wrote itself in this way that was, that I just feel is, there's, there's a clue to the fact that it wrote itself so smoothly. Right in the title is the word synchronicity. Now, synchronicity is a term coined by Carl Jung. He was a psychoanalyst in the 1920s, a philosophical guy. He's got a mountain of stuff, but he coined the modern term synchronicity. And the short definition is a meaningful coincidence. So coincidence that is meaningful to the observer. And I'll talk a lot about synchronicities in this talk. There's a shorter definition that I'm comfortable with, and that's magic. I know that like, if there's a strict materialist out there, they're gonna, toes are going to curl in their shoes, but that's how it feels to me. I'm content with this term. So initially... In the last, you know, the beginning of that stretch, starting in 2006 in the mountains, 
I started seeing a lot of owls, like an unusual amount of owls. And I was having powerful synchronicities. Most of these are archived in the blog, and a lot of them show up in the book. That book is partially my own research and partially my own experience. And um, the, 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 the onslaught of what I was getting as far as these experiences, these memories, these synchronicities, these owls, it was not easy. These experiences are challenging. So anyone out there who's doing research, just know that the people you're interacting with, it is not easy. It is terribly, terribly challenging stuff for the, for the person. And I'm speaking for myself. Those were dark years for me. I feel much better. I feel like that book was therapy. The three years it took me to write that book was three years of my own therapy, and I feel like I'm a much calmer person since that book came out. If I t I'm going to tell a lot of stories. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In this talk. None of them are one-offs, right? So if I tell you a story, it's part of a bigger series of stories. Behind it is a whole collection of stories, so there's no standalone account that I'm going to tell. If I tell something, it's part of a pattern. This guy named Derek, camping in the desert, but in 1995, and he's lying on his back with his buddy, looking up at the stars, and they look at this cactus, and there's this owl on top of this cactus. And they're like, well, that's kind of eerie. That's kind of spooky. And that's... That's what people say. When people see owls, even in the bright sunshine, they see an owl, and it's like, it's an ominous bird. It's not like seeing a bunny rabbit or a sparrow. Um, so he looks at this owl, and they both like, well, that's strange. Owl flies off. And then moments later, a triangle UFO, a triangle-shaped craft, absolutely silently, buzzes over very fast and follows the contour of the land. I met with this guy, Derek, and he struggled. You could see he was gritting his teeth trying to like articulate how weird this thing was flying and moving. So he listed a lot of other things. I said, what else has happened in your life? I said, well, I saw another UFO a couple days later, and I had a lot of powerful synchronicities in my life, and I've had these weird dreams. I'm like, what kind of dreams? Like being lifted out of my bed and floated through the wall. 
And then he said something that I, that I hear a lot. He said, you know, I had a spiritual awakening, all tied into this stuff. And I said, do you think you're a UFO abductee? He said, no. So I wasn't gonna push him on that. If he says no, that's fine. There's a term I'm using, it's called a maybe people. And this sort of implies people who have had these unusual experiences, sort of the outlying experiences. They don't remember being on a craft, they don't remember being taken on board a flying saucer, but they tell all the outlying things that, a, that an abductee might share. And I feel a strong kinship to these, to these maybe people because that's who I was at one point. I feel like I'm, I'm past that point now. I'm no longer questioning my own experiences. Now the core question of the book, the core question of this talk, the core question of my research, the core question of my own self-examination is why owls? Why owls show up in the context of this? The short answer is I don't know, but before I can proceed any deeper into this, I need to talk about the mythology of the owls. Now, this is a, from a cave in France. It's 30,000 years old. Anyone, anyone, Derek lying in the desert in 1995, this, this man who scratched it into the wall 30,000 years ago had to have recognized the power of seeing an owl. I recognize it. I've seen a lot of owls. They're a mystical, powerful animal. And the, the mythology, the core of the mythology is that owls can see into the darkness. They can see at night. They can fly at night. They can fly in the darkness. That very quickly, all across the world's traditions, becomes a metaphor for seeing into the darkness, seeing into other realms, traveling into other realms, traveling to the land of the ancestors, traveling to the land of the gods. Owls are messengers. They not only travel to these realms, they come back. Owls represent dream time and the unconscious in these myths. Owls are associated with death. Some traditions are very morbid. The Native Americans of the, of the Southwest have a very dark, bleak mythology around owls. I'm not finding that. I'm finding the death mythology. I'm finding people are, this is very common. Someone's grieving, usually a parent has died, an owl will show up, land on the back porch, land on the window, they'll open up the window, they'll talk to the owl. They'll go through the, they'll, they'll, they'll say, Mom, I miss you. And then their grieving will have been alleviated. I have numerous accounts of this. We get the term wise owl from Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom. So this is, that's why you get wise owl, traces back there. She had a their companion little owl. This is a close-up of a terracotta pot, and that is, that's called a little owl. That's the, that's the species name. Present day, Harry Potter has this owl, Hedwig. Hedwig delivers the mail. It's perfect. It's perfect. He's the messenger. He has an owl that is a messenger. So ancient man had all these mythologies. They are still rattling around. They're still here right now, present day, in the most popular books in the history of publishing, An Owl Delivers the Mail. J.K. Rowling <laughs> has owl embedded right in her name. Oh, I'm doing good on time. Um, so I went to one of the, so I went, I was at a conference. This was back in, uh, uh, then when they had the conferences at Laughlin, Nevada. Very early on, I was very nervous when I went to this conference, and I sat in the UFO abduction support group. So you sit in a circle, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, people are kind of nervous, no one really wants to talk, and there's this one guy off in the corner, he's kind of quiet and sitting there, and, he's, and then at the very end of the meeting, he kind of cautiously raises his hand, and he said, hey, has anyone in this room had any uh, odd experiences with owls? 
And I tell you, this guy almost fell out of his chair when everyone all at the same time raised their hand. And then we were like, okay, what's your story? And he says, well, I'm driving at night and I'm driving down this lonely road and there's this owl standing on the side of the road. It's about four feet tall. And I pull right up to it and I roll down my window and I look at this thing and it looks at me. And it's like where, you know, I'm in the driver's seat and it's about eye level with me. And it looks at me and I get this really bad vibe. And I drive on. And then later, he's a photographer, so he tells the story. He goes, and I go, oh, I'm a photographer. I go into the woods, and there's this owl nest. And I know this owl nest in the woods. So he went there, and he was his camera, and he's taking these pictures. He looks up at this owl nest through the camera, and these owls, and he says, I don't think that was an owl I saw that night. And he went through hypnotic regression to see what happened that night on the road. Nothing really came up. The only thing that came up was that the owl was wearing boots. So there's a term screen memory that's used in the UFO research lore, and most of the people know what this means. I just got to run through this. Screen memory implies that the little, like something is projecting an image, a hypnotic image into the mind of the observer. This would be a, a way to mask their presence. So the implication is that there's, a, there's an alien standing on the side of the road though the observer sees an owl. How this happens, I don't know. Uh, I went to a conference a few years ago. I wish I could have done this here. I loved doing this. It was so much fun. I made uh, cardboard owls in my living room, and this one here is four feet tall, and this one here is 27 inches tall. Now, I'm six foot tall in the middle there. So if, if someone came to me and told me, they saw, I saw an owl that was about this big. It's about 27 inches tall. I'd say, I'll give you that one. That's about as big as any owl on earth will ever be, but I'll give you that. That could be a real owl. But that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing stories of people saying, oh, I saw this four-foot-tall owl. And then they'll... So, that, you know, this was, this was a big... This was actually important for me to do, to make this cardboard owl, because I knew right away no one... Like, you've got to try hard to, like, say that's normal to see an owl that side. So what I did is I went in my neighborhood there, and I drove off into the woods, and I got on a lonely road, and I got on my Subaru, and I, like, drove up to this owl, and I backed up, and I... Because this is what people are reporting. They're reporting the owl looking over the hood of the car. So I showed this in a talk one time. This is the very first talk I ever gave on this. I showed this slide, and um, a fellow in the audience went like this. I didn't see it, but his wife did. His wife came up and told me about it. My husband and she said, you know, she said, I never believed him when he described what he saw. I met both of them. They were wonderful folks. And he's shortly there. He sent me this thing that he had drawn in 1987, which looks remarkably like the slide I just took. So that is a four-foot-tall owl that he's drawing from memory. It doesn't quite look like an owl. There's a woman. Her name is her pen name is Lucretia Hart. She's got an amazing blog. Anyone who's out there, you might want to write this down, at Spiral's End. It's an amazing website. She's cataloged everything in her life as far as the UFO contact experiences. She's a lot. Very weird stuff. She was working as a 19-year-old girl in a summer camp for girls. And this would have been in the Pacific Northwest. And she's, um, she describes... There's two parts of the camp, right? There's uh, some buildings over here, and there's a path, and there's some buildings over there, and she walks down this path, and she can hear the girls playing in the background. She's walking along. She turns a corner on the path, and there's a gray alien standing right next to her on the path. And she, she 
makes this contact with this thing like telepathically and this thing looks at her and she looks at it and she looks at her and there's this like back and forth and she hears this voice in her head that goes owl, 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 owl and she watches it change into an owl right in front of her, turns around and runs into the woods. <clears throat> the implication, so, so screen memories aren't just stuck with owls. It's owls, deers, raccoons, clowns, dead relatives. Jesus actually shows up a lot in these reports. Um, the implication is that these, that these aliens have like a psychic closet, right? And they can just grab the costume, whatever they need, right? In the moment, they can just grab, ooh, owls can be perfect right now. Ooh, gee, clown, that'll be a good one for right now. So, um, now, I, I, this, so the, the, this is, I'm gonna kind of move past the, the screen memory stuff. And, if you ask an abduction researcher, someone who does abduction research, you say, hey, um, do you have any experience with owls in your thing? They'll roll their eyes and like, of course, I got all kinds of stories of owls. Oh, the owls show up all the time and then they'll tell the screen memory thing. Four foot tall owls on the road, four foot tall owls in the bedroom, four foot tall owls in the yard. I'm like, oh no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So and then you ask an abductee, someone who's had the direct contact experience. Have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And they'll say, you know, that's interesting you say that. No one has ever really asked me that question. That's funny you ask because I've had this weird thing happen with owls. Now, it's not 100% of the people with contact experience, but it's enough that there's a very clear pattern. So again, the question, why owls? Now, when I saw those owls in the mountains back in 2006, those were real owls. They were little owls. They were owl-sized. They did little owl things. They had little owl feathers. They were not four-foot-tall, eerie-looking owls. These are real owls. So the focus of my research, what I find is more interesting, is why are real owls showing up in the context of this stuff around the time of contact? What I'm gonna try to do now is buzz through a bunch of stories and just give you an idea of the flavor of the kind of things that I'm showing. So <clears throat> um, someone asked me, it's like, like, how do you know this stuff with owls and UFOs is real? Like, I mean, do you have any proof? And I'm like, you want proof? Look at my email inbox. That's proof. Um, it's Derek, the first story in, that I told here. Seen the owl and the cactus. So then sees the UFO. This is very common. See the owl first, see the UFO. I had one woman channel. She said owls are to announce initiation. So seeing an owl and then seeing a UFO. Um, this woman in Brazil tells me this story. She's on her balcony. She sees this UFO fly by, this silvery craft. It flies by, and there's a building across the, from, from, from the balcony of her apartment building. This silvery craft flies by, goes behind the building, and then it doesn't come out the other side. And she goes, guys, where are you? And at that moment, two owls fly past her, and those two owls ended up living on her balcony for the next month. Seeing an owl, seeing a UFO, and an owl shows up at your home is very common. Very common. I got these pictures. They just, I get people show me these pictures. People who have had UFO contact experience. I talk to them. You have these long conversations. They share their stories. And then they send you pictures like this. I said, yeah, I just took this on my porch. It was five feet away. I have a lot of pictures like this. Suzanne and Jack, friends with myself and, and Andrea, um, both of them experiencers. A lot of weird synchronicities in their life, how they met. But anyway, they lived together in Providence, Rhode Island. And... There was a noise out their window every night. So how often? Like pretty much every night. Most nights of the week, we'd hear this weird noise out the window. And Jack said, you know what that noise is? 
That is a baby raccoon. And went on for a year, they'd hear it every night, and then, and then Suzanne heard something online. She, she found this little site that had owl noises. Oh, here we go, right. So they hear this noise out the window. Most nights of the week. And uh, that's an eastern screech owl, pretty common. So there's nothing that unusual about it, but it's outside the window of two abductees. So Susan, Suzanne, excuse me, tells, me, tells a story. She uh, hears this noise in the yard. She's in the yard. She takes her phone and she puts it on record. She's like, I'm going to record this for Mike, for me. She's, so I'm, in, I'm now involved in this story. She's recording it for me. So she's this tree in the neighbor's yard and she walks up to this tree. It's getting dark. She puts the phone up. She's looking. She doesn't see the owl. She sees this orange dot go, like light up, like a big orange flash, turns off, and then the owl noise stops. There was no owl in the tree as far as she knew. Hearing an owl right. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before, before a contact event. This show, so guy lying in bed. Here's an owl outside the, the window. Hooting. Next thing he knows, there's six alien beings standing around his bed and he blacks out. Hearing an owl right after a contact event. So this, I was at a gathering in Maine and a bunch of people, all, a lot of them with UFO contact events. This was after a conference that's run in Maine annually. And um, people are sitting down by the lake and, and uh, so these two women, Carol and Pam, are sitting down by the lake and it's late, it's like two in the morning. They walk down to the lake and the moon, full moon, it's beautiful, but it's cold, right? It's kind of cold and chilly down by the lake. And then they're talking for a little bit and then they say, it's four o'clock, it's four o'clock. We came down here too, it's four o'clock, what happened? And, there, and I was down there earlier that night, and there's no way you can kind of just hang out. It was like bitter cold. So, so there's no way two hours. They were scared. So they went back. Now there's this camping scene where everyone is camping and close together, all these tents. And so they climb in their little tent, and they're camping together. And Carol says, let's ask the owl. 
Carol says, let's ask the owl for a sign if we were, in fact, really visited. Let's ask the owl to hoot for us. At that moment, hoot, 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 right above him, loud crashing, sticks are falling on top of the tent. Um, so, they asked, they got an answer. There's more to that story. There's so much more to that story. I wish I could tell the whole thing. Um, expecting to see an, an alien but seeing an owl, I have two accounts that are almost exactly the same. People are like, I'm going to go for a hike today. And then they're like, oh, today's the day I'm going to see an alien. Today is the day I know I'm going to see an alien. One guy's driving there. It's almost the same story. So this guy's driving. John um, is driving there. Andrea knows John. Where the, he's, he's on his way. The car in front of him has a bumper sticker that says, today is the day. <laughs> so he goes on his hike. He's walking on this path. And there's this big owl. And it's staring at him. And he stares at it. And he says, I'm going to have a stare down contest with this owl. And it just goes on and on and on. It's like, oh, I think he's going to win. So he turns and walks away. And as he walks away, the owl watches him the whole time he's walking off. And then he gets to the top of this mountain. And there's a bunch of people there. It's in New England, so it's kind of a smallish mountain. And he gets to, so he gets to the top at the end of the hike. And, and there's a bunch of people up there. And then one guy goes like, what's that light over there? And there's this bright, hovering dot of light, full daylight, off in the sky, sort of seemingly staring at the mountain. There's a lot more to that story, too. He got up the next morning and meditated, and an owl started hooting, and that continued for the next month, every time he meditated. Hearing an owl and then seeing a UFO, this shows up, <laughs> so a woman on the beach, she's with a drinking a margarita, she's with her husband, they're looking out at the ocean, they hear an owl, and she's like, what is an owl doing at the beach? And she looks around the edge, and then she looks up at the sky, and there's a silvery craft. Her husband's a big doubter. He says, like, what do you think of that? And he's like, oh, I don't know quite what to make of that. That's not a conventional aircraft. So hearing an owl while reading my book, this one, I can't even, like, I could do the whole, I could do that, I could have done the whole 90 minutes, one story after another story after another, people reading the book. I have this one woman who told the story, she's reading the book, and the owl hooed outside. She'd lie in bed, she'd read the book, the owl would hoot outside, she'd close the book. It would stop. She'd open the book up and it would start up again. Um, and when she finished the book, the book was done, she never heard the owl again. This shows up, I don't know, this is like involves me in some way that just like, I don't know how to make sense of it. One guy, guy from New Zealand, he's been videotaping orbs and taking photographs of orbs. He's got all this stuff cataloged. He's been keeping meticulous notes. He's like 17 years old. So he's like, he, he's like so he goes out and he's like, there's an orb. There's an owl. There's an owl on the fence, or on the, on the phone line, and there's an orb up above it. And so he's looking at the owl. The owl's looking at the orb. He looks at the owl. The owl looks at him. The owl's looking at the orb. I'm not sure if that counts as a multiple witness site. So, I think, but. so Jack, remember this. So Jack and Suzanne, earlier on. So Jack, from that photograph, the, he's the guy that said it was a baby raccoon. Um, so he was reading the book, and he had it on his Kindle, and he was reading it on and off at work, and he was just finishing it. So he gets to the end of the book, and he's in the parking lot at the spot he works, and he gets to the very end of the book, and he says, I want to see an owl. I want to see an owl. So he finishes the book, he leaves the car, he walks, to the, walks across the parking lot, and he looks up in the sky, and this hit, it was less than a minute after finishing the book. He looks up in the sky, and he just, I was like, what? Is, he, like, I drew this with his work. He said it was like, it was like this little dash, but it was more like a tear. In, in the sky, it was like the light was shining through a tiny tear in the night sky. It lasted for about 10 seconds. 
There's this weird thing, and people who've had these experiences or people who've researched this stuff is gonna recognize this. There is a strange, tangled, chaotic context to this stuff. The more tangled the story, the more I trust it. There is something of confirmation in these knotted up stories. There's some, they get really hard to tell. You try to write this stuff out, and like, oh, here, I'll share this in a book. It's like, it's so much going on. And every little thread you pull on is just something weirder. I feel like this has happened to me. So Mike C. gets a hold of me. He's asked that I not use his real name, but it's Mike C., and that's my name, Mike C. So this one gets confusing, so pay attention. And this comes from a guy with a lot of odd experiences. Um, Now, we met, Mike C. and Mike, we met. I signed his book at this conference that I was talking about in New England. And this would have been... um, in August of 2016, so less than a year ago. So his story is, he's living in, he lives in Springdale, or Springfield, Massachusetts, and he's driving home, he's crossing the Memorial Bridge, and, and this whole story came to me in back and forth Facebook chat, so I have like this, you know, everything's time counted, and I can review what exactly the conversation is. So I got a story for you, so I was coming home, and I was crossing the Memorial Bridge, and just after I crossed the bridge, I was making this turn on the roundabout, and this owl, whoosh, like, flies right across my windshield, full daylight, scares the crap out of me. So he crosses the bridge, there he is, owl passes the windshield, drives a little less than a half mile, he looks over, and there's a UFO hovering above one of the buildings there, to the, just to the upside of the, of the, of the highway there. And uh, he says, copper-colored flying saucer, and then it zips off. And then he says, um, oh yeah, and by the way, I was, uh, as I was doing this, I, I, was, I had a thing loaded on my MP3 player, it was one of your talks, it was, it was a lecture you had given about owls and UFOs, and I was listening to that. I was like, wait, 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 what, what? You were listening to me, and you saw an owl, and you saw a UFO? As, you were, as I was talking about owls and UFOs, he's like, yeah, I did, that was kind of, so now well, one little thing here, oh, I get to use the laser pointer, let me just do this. So one little thing here is this, this message came in at 1, 2, 3 p.m. Now, I, this, I'm not gonna start a new religion over the little number sequences, but I'm gonna point them out. Um, uh, that number is particularly powerful for me. I pay attention when that sh- number shows up, 1, 2, 3, and 1, 2, 3, 4. So he gets back to me. He says, dude, I just looked at the message you sent me at 11, 11 a.m. So we get, we get 11, 11, we get 1, 2, 3. So a year later, this, this happened the year before I met him. A year later, we meet at the conference. I signed his book. About a month later, he's driving down the same highway. And he crosses, he crosses, oh, I get to use the pointer. He crosses this bridge here. And right here, he gets stuck in traffic. And in front of him is an owl, a little owl toy in the back of a car. Now it's, so, so, it's like, oh, okay, an owl toy, cross the bridge, okay. So, timestamp 333. So, we get this owls, UFOs, conversation between two people named Mike C, get one, two, three, get one, 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 and three, 333. I, so, like, this is a subtle form of confirmation. I pay attention when this stuff shows up, but one detail of this whole story just jumped out at me and, like, rang the bell for me. They, the owls were seen right after crossing a bridge. Now, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm like seeing reality. Like, you go to the, you go to the, the, the gypsy fortune teller and she interprets your dreams, right? And, she, and if you went to her and said, I, in my dream, I crossed a bridge and I saw an owl. She said, oh, the mythic symbolism of the owl and the bridge, this is important stuff. This happened in real life. He crossed a bridge and saw an owl twice. Now, 
the, the, the metaphor, the symbolism of the, of the bridge is overcoming an obstacle. Life is the river, you cross the river, you overcome an obstacle, you come to a new place in your life. The bridge is neither here nor there. It's not on one side of the river or the other. It's between. And then after starting this new chapter of your life, I'm doing dream analysis here. After starting this new chapter of your life, the owl plays the role of messenger. When I told him that, we talked about that. He's like, oh God, that's so, that hits so hard. That, was, that felt very real to him. There's these clues that show up, and I call these orchestrated clues. They show up, they're symbolic, or they're, or they're um, sometimes they're so specific that only the observer would have the ability to, to untangle these clues. So from my sense, these clues, certain clues are forcing people to pay attention. So when Jessica called me, contacted me, she told me, she's like, you know, I was laying in bed one night, window is right there, and I look out the window, and there's an owl. And then this blue beam of light, zoom, hits the owl in the head, illuminates the owl's head, it looks right at me, a blue beam shoots out of the owl and into my third eye. And she said, my whole head was illuminated with this light. So I get a hold of her, and I said, um, was this a dream? She said, no, this happened. This happened, this was not a dream. I asked her, What's, what, what, what do you think the source was? She said, the source was extraterrestrial. I felt it, I knew it, I knew it. It was extraterrestrial. And then she said, I've been given a download. Now this woman has had seen close-up UFOs and had a lot of psychic experiences in her life. My partner, Andrea, who's in the back there, she comes home from work and she pulls into a parking spot at the house we're living at, and she's kind of facing the trees. It's unusual, it's a spot she never usually parks at. So she pulls her car in, she parks there, she's facing the trees, and she gets on her phone and says, Mike, there's an owl. So I run downstairs with the camera, and sure enough, there's this beautiful barred owl in a tree. There it is. Um, that's, that was a photo taken right from that site there. So we're standing there looking, and I'm kind of tall, right? So I can tell, and Andrea comes through about there, and she's, and I've got the camera, and I'm taking pictures right from her point of view. We're looking at this thing, and she goes, uh-oh. I said, what's up, what's up? I said, something's happening. Something weird's happening. And she said this, like, she's like, in the moment, she's saying, like, oh, this is like, it's, everything's wavering, what's, something's going on. And she basically said time had stopped. And, and the reality just kind of became wavy, and there was a magenta halo around this owl. She was locked eyes with this owl. I'm taking pictures. There's nothing for me to see. I used Photoshop to create this, and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I didn't see anything. The owl eventually flies off. And there came a point when I was working on the book, and, and, and I was working on Jessica's story, the story with the, the blue beam from the owl out the window hitting her in the third eye and giving her a download. And this would have been months later, and I was like, wait a minute, this is the same story you, that, Andrea, the same story you had in the, in the, in the parking lot in some sense. So, so I kind of reviewed both of them, and I was kind of like, I was very cautious not to, not to question Andrea too much, and I said, when you were looking eye to eye with that owl in the tree in the magenta halo, would you call that communication? And she went, like, yeah. And I said, well, what would you call it? She said, I'd call it a download. Now Grant was here last night and did all kinds of downloads stories, one after another about people writing songs and stuff. This is a little more elusive. So I, I asked both independently, without them knowing it, I asked Jessica, it's like, what was in the download? And I asked Andrea. So Jessica's first, she said, 
In all honesty, I don't know. I feel like the answers may come when I am ready or it may forever be an unspoken thing. I asked Andrea the same thing. I actually asked her to write it down. And she said, it was a strong sense of knowing as if something was imparted and this would real, reveal itself when the time is right. Now, this is what I expected. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I got to download. And you say, what was it? And they're like, well, I don't know. It'll happen. I'll know someday. This is normal. This is normal within the context of this pattern between the two of them. So the same day, the same day I do this back and forth thing where they're trying to tell them to download. Andrea and I are sitting, which is unusual because we sit on the couch and watch TV at night. So I'm sitting in one chair. She's sitting in another chair. She's reading a book and she goes, uh-oh, this is weird. I'm like, what's up? She's like, in this book, this is weird. It's the same thing. It's the same story. And she's reading a book called Calling on Extraterrestrials by Lisette Larkins. It's about how to contact ETs, how to have your own ET contact. And, and the story in the book is this Lisette Larkins, she channels aliens. So it's kind of, it's a, it's a kind of at the one end of the continuum of what's like on the new age, you know, she's not a very nuts and bolts researcher, Lisette Larkins. So she's had her own experiences. And she describes this yellow truck. And she was in a bad place in her life at that time. So she was in the yellow truck had a vanity plate that said moping. And whenever she walked past this truck, she'd say, that's me. That truck represents me. I'm moping. So that's, that truck represents me. She's driving by the truck one day with her boyfriend. Stop. There's a hawk on top of this truck. It's not an owl story. It's a hawk story. It's this hawk on top of the truck. She gets out. She gets up, she goes right up to, she says she gets like inches away from the hawk's eyes. She locks eyes with the hawk. And she said, I knew without a doubt that I was connecting to extraterrestrial life. A strong message was being transferred from the hawk's eye to my own. My scalp felt as, it, as if it had been plugged into a generator. So she's essentially saying the same thing. And what's interesting, her boyfriend was taking pictures. So the same thing, Andrea, I was taking pictures of Andrea's owls, this guy's taking pictures of, of Lisette's owl. So I said, I gotta get a hold of this woman, Lisette. So I it took me a while, right? I got a publisher, I find the phone, the forward thing, and I forward emails, and it took a, like a month before we actually got on the phone. And I said, hi, I'm the guy who had the owl story. Wait, you're the owl guy. You're the owl guy with the owl story, right? Oh, you know, that's funny. The day I got your initial email, we were having the kids over, the grandkids were over, and we were in the pool in the backyard, and they were splashing around. The dogs were running around. This owl lands on the flagpole in the middle of all of it. Dog sits at the bottom of the flagpole and barks at the owl. The owl just stood there. And I was like, wait a minute, is this the same day that I sent you the email? You have an owl landing on a flagpole. Has it ever happened? No, it never happened before. So I'm like, okay. She's in, con in contact with aliens. She's very clear about that. She, she channels ET. I said, what does this mean? Without skipping a beat, she said, don't forget what you came here to do. As a little aside, Andrea's middle name is Lisette. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, Owlet. That's in the dictionary. Open the dictionary, look up Owlet. It's a tiny, it's a baby owl. Basically, a baby owl is an owlet. It's in the dictionary. Owlet, if you, is also owl E.T. <laughs> so there's these synchronicities that show up in the research. Nick Redfern said about you doing UFO research, he said, it's not that it's weird. He said, it's too weird. And then Ann Streber, when she was helping her husband, Whitley Streber, with the research, she said, you know, I have a BS detector. People tell me a story, I have a BS detector. If it's not weird, I don't believe them. <laughs> so there's this weird stuff, and when this weird stuff shows up, it's, it's like I pay attention to it. So for me, for a thought experiment, I am thinking owls, synchronicities, and UFOs, are these the same thing? Now, obviously, they are not the same thing. They all have the same transformative power. They are, they are transformative events. You can be transformed by a UFO contact, you can be transformed by a powerful synchronicity, and I have heard so many people write me and tell me that, like, I saw this owl and it changed my life. And they tell some normal thing, like, I landed on the fence in the backyard and it changed their life. There's a woman, her name is Katie Walker, she's a producer, her and her husband produced this really good documentary, I'd recommend it, this documentary is called Time is Art, it's about synchronicities. And one of the things they were doing was they went to the Mission District of San Francisco, which has all these murals. These murals feature UFOs. Oh, I can use a pointer again. So there's a UFO up here, right? And so there's this uh, Native American shamans are performing a ceremony in, in traditional dress. If you look over here, there's a gray alien, right? And if you look over in this tree, that little tree, there's an owl. So they're shooting this. It's, they're just, they're basically saying, this is cool imagery. This is like really powerful imagery. It's trippy, it's the creative process. And so um, there's more of it. There's another owl uh, mural they were shooting. And so there's all these owls. So they, they set the camera down as they're shooting the thing. So they set the camera down. And they get this. I, I played a couple times in a couple higher contrast. Okay, so it doesn't get more clear than that, right? Get owls, a documentary on synchronicity. They're shooting images with owls, and a UFO shows up. I quizzed them. I quizzed this woman, Kitty Walker, like, oh, you didn't stage this, did you? She's like, no, I did not. We didn't even know. We went to the editing, we saw this thing, we had no idea. We just set the camera down and we caught it accidentally. Katie Walker contacted me. I was doing a podcast series for a while. I got about 200 hours of podcasts on that, that blog that I showed you earlier. Um, and she said to me, 
you know who you should have on your show? You should have Dolores Cannon on your show. Now, I had already started the Owl book at that point, and it was kind of in its rough stages, and I'd collected a lot of stuff, and one of the stories I had written was about Dolores Cannon. I said, you should have Dolores Cannon on your things. But when I checked the email that came in, that was the message on the email, when I checked the email, I went, ch-chunk, 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 and it was 20 separate messages came into my email inbox. I'm, Katie, what did you send this thing 20 times? What are you doing? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She sent me a PDF copy of the book, The Custodians, which I already had. Um, the date that this arrived, October 18th, 2004, was the day Dolores died. I don't know what to make of this. The this, this story that I, sh it's in the book, that I shared, that I had already written, is in the custodians. So Dolores is at a point in her life, she's doing hypnotic regression work, therapeutic work, mostly in a more traditional format, relieving stress, quitting smoking. She's a therapist, she's a, she's a counselor, working to help people. What was showing up is all this UFO stuff. She was, was at a meeting that night and she said, I have to decide, am I gonna go down this road? Am I gonna go down the road of UFO research? So she had to make a decision stay in this old world or do this, this other thing. So she's driving home that night, um, windy road to her house in the, in the woods, and there's an owl on the road. She pulls up to it, the owl stares at her from above the hood. She says, I didn't want to hit this owl, I didn't want to hurt this owl, so she kind of like nudged it a little bit, it flew off down the road, it landed again. She did the same thing. She did this multiple times, and finally the owl stopped at the edge of her driveway, she turned into her driveway. Years later, she's at the Museum of Natural History in London. There's this big glass case with all kinds of birds. So she walks up and it's a big owl, it's all owls. So it's a big glass case and she walks along the case and she looks at all these owls and she says, I don't think that was an owl I saw that night. Now the most important part of the story to me was that was the night she had to make the decision whether she was gonna go into the UFO research. And she did. There are accounts that I refer to as back-to-back -back stories. There's a chapter in the book, it's my favorite chapter of the book. And these stories, like they're so, to me it's so fascinating. There's two stories, one will mirror the other. Oftentimes I was getting these stories, well, I'd get one on a Monday and I'd get another one on a Tuesday. Same story, just flipped, just inverted. So, has anyone, Maria Wheatley is a researcher in England. She does mostly um, uh, ley line, ancient sites crop circle research. So this happened back in 1991, and she was with a friend, and they were gonna go on a hike in sunset, they were gonna go hike in the woods, they pull into the parking lot, they get out of the car, they walk down the path, they just start walking down the path, and whoosh, this white owl flies right in front of them, whoosh, crosses them right in front of them on the path. Both of them feel the same thing, they say, we are not allowed to walk on this path. So they turn around. They say, let's do something else. So they say, oh, let's walk up to Oliver's Castle, same parking lot. They were parked in a spot called Oliver's Castle. And they say, just walk up to the top of this hill. So I don't actually know where the car was parked. Somewhere down below, and they walked up a nice path, and they get to the top of this hill. Castle is kind of a term that's used for, there might have been a building up there at some point, but a lot of the hills in this part of England are called castle. That's what they call these hilltops. So they're on top of Oliver's Castle, and they look off, and there's this big orange thing in the sky, and it comes towards them, and then it gets big, and then it goes to a giant cigar, and then it goes, and they watch it for a few minutes and it shrinks down and disappears. It freaks them both out. They run back to their car. She said he couldn't get the keys in his car. He was shaking so bad. She had to take his keys and unlock the car. Um, 
Both of them said that they were highly psychic in the days and weeks that followed that. Said it bothered him. He said he couldn't go to the pub. He'd go to the pub and he would read everyone's mind. It drove him crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> so here we have an owl leading someone to an orange UFO. Now, Maria Wheatley studies ley lines and crop circles. She walks out in the wheat fields. She studies the crop circles, she does the ley line research. Her father was a famous dowser. Dennis Wheatley, there's a book hanging out there by Dennis Wheatley that's published by Ozark Mountain Press. Wheatley, wheat lay, wheat fields, ley lines. Bert Jansen is a researcher from Holland. He was also doing crop circle research and he had been doing it for three years. So in 1997, he had been researching crop circles for three years and he said, I'm done with this. What do I need to do this for? Three summers, that's enough, I'm done. And as he's out in the field, sun is setting, he's having this thought, my crop circle research career has come to an end. This orange orb floats across the field. And it gets big, it gets big the size of a beach ball, shrinks down to the size of a little orange, it's floating around, it zips around, and then there's a little shed on the other end of the field and this thing floats along, it goes behind the shed, and he's waiting for it to come out, it doesn't come out from the other side. He said, could it, could it have gone in the shed? So he goes up to the shed and he looks behind the shed and there's a window right at the height. That it would, and the window's broken, the glass is broken. Could that orb have gone into the shed? So he walks around the front where the door is and he tries to open its lock. He puts his ear up to the, to the, to the shed door and he hears this hiss, hiss, this real evil sinister, hiss. Sun is setting, he says, I'll come back tomorrow. And then he, the next day he comes Tries to open up, still's locked, puts his ear, yes. He, good researcher, proud of this guy. He breaks the door and goes in the shed. So he's in the shed and there's a loft and a ladder and he hears this noise, yes. So he climbs up the ladder and he goes over the edge and there are this family of baby snowy, or baby barn owls. And they do make an eerie hiss. You can look it up online. It's a very eerie, unsettling, creepy hiss. And he's like, so here we have a UFO, an orange UFO, that leads Bert to owls. Mir the stories are mirrored. What's interesting, this is just like Dolores Cannon's, Bert was like making a decision. Do I leave this esoteric research? Once again, the question, why owls? You ask a UFO researcher, like, why owls? Why owls are showing up in this? And they'll say, you know, owls kind of look like aliens, right? They've got the big eyes, they've got the big black eyes, they're kind of spooky, you see them at night. That's why, that's why owls. And I'm like, that gets repeated a lot and it has become a sort of dogma. And I'm questioning that because I don't know. Now there's a, I got in touch with a woman named Jacqueline Smith. She's an animal communicator. She's a wonderful woman. She's got two books out. She's working on her third. And her first book is called Animal Communication. It's straight animal communication stuff about, you know, helping horses and cats and dogs and pets and things. And, and then she wrote another book where she channeled the spirit animals of aliens. Excuse me, I'm doing it. I've channeled the spirits of animals. She channeled these spirit animals. Um, so I read this, I got this book and I read this section and I was like, the owl section was really good. I'm writing this book on owls and UFOs. This is great, super trippy, mystical stuff and I'm transcribing things and I'm like, I gotta talk to this woman. So when I get a hold of her, I say, um, so what are you doing these days? So I'm working on my third book. Oh, what's your third book about? So it's about my ET UFO context. So, okay, this is, I didn't know that. Now, uh, 
And then I, we talked for a while, it was a great conversation about how she got into this, and, and then I said, listen, if you ever see that, because the story she had in the book, she was walking down a path, and every day she would walk on the path in the woods and there'd be an owl there. She'd walk past, and finally one day she looked at this owl and said, hello, do you have a message for me? And then she received this telepathic communication. So I said, listen, if you ever see that owl again, you ask for me, what is going on with the owls and the UFOs, because I want to know. And where she's talking, and she kind of, in the conversation, she started talking really slow and then really halting. And then she, she actually kind of, her voice got so quiet, and she said, words, words, as if words weren't enough to convey what she was trying to say. And she said a lot of things, and one thing she said, she said, they are using the owl symbolically, and by they, she meant the UFO occupants. They are using the owl symbolically, but the owl is still the owl frequency to mirror to us in an archetypal sense because humans think with symbols. They are touching us on that level, and that goes back to the beginning of humankind and how we see owls. When she said that, it was like, it was like the puzzle pieces of just clicked together. Every question I had got answered. This was the best answer I have for why owls. Owls as an archetype. Now, an arch she gave a beautiful definition of an archetype. You can go to a college philosophy department and the undergrads can argue for hours on what an archetype truly is. Um, a, a Plato said, in ancient Greece, he said, an archetype is a pure form that exists in our minds. And we can all tap into it. It's a updated Carl Jung. He said, it is an, I, the archetype, he, he, he resurrected the term in his research, and he said, an archetype is something that is within the collective unconscious. It's within all of us. And it is universally present in all of our psyches, and it implies something deeper. You see an owl, something goes on deeper in your subconscious, a deeper sense of knowing. This is Kenneth Arnold. He's anyone, if we're in this room, pretty much everyone in this room has to know who Kenneth Arnold. He's the guy that unwittingly coined the term flying saucer. He saw, he, he, he ushered in the modern age of the UFO back in 1947 when he reported his, his UFO sighting. What you may not know is Kenneth Arnold had a pet owl. <laughs> How many people in the room here have a pet owl? Okay. This is David Weatherly. He's a, he's a paranormal researcher and author and shaman. He wrote the book um, Black-Eyed Kids, Black-Eyed Children, which is an amazing book, super creepy book. He's also a shaman. He doesn't, you gotta kinda ask him about this shaman thing, and he'll say, oh yeah, I'm a shaman. He studied all over the world with shamanism. This shamanism thing intersects, for reasons I don't understand, the shamanism things intersects with this whole big thing. I've got a chapter in the book on the shamanism thing, so, so David says, I got a story for you. He was doing, he was researching a, a UFO sighting, or a house. This family was reporting a lot of UFO contact. So he's at the house, he pulls up to the house, he's gonna go interview the family. And he's got a little voice recorder. And in the voice recorder, before he goes into the house, he's in the driveway, he's parked in his truck, he's putting new fresh batteries in the voice recorder. And at that moment, he feels this, he's looking down, and he feels this little thud. And he looks up and on the hood of the car, staring at him through the windshield is a great horned owl. So it's a shaman at the house of a UFO abductee staring into the eyes of a great horned owl. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. So the initial essay that became the book was, was from uh, 2013. And I, and uh, there's a, there a bunch of in that essay about shamanism. And I'm like, what do I know? I mean, this is all Google research, a lot of it is. So I'm just kind of like, I gotta ask. So I get a hold of David and I say, David, can you review the shamanism chapter? I just don't wanna be talking out of my hat. And if you could just fact check it and give me any feedback. And he says, sure. So um, he's reading. So, so I send him the essay digitally. He gets back to me and says, oh, you wanna hear a funny story? So I'm reading the essay, I'm at my desk. And the window's here, whoosh, thing, thing flits by the window. I'm looking out the window and this owl land, lands on a branch right outside the window. How long have you been living in that house? Is that 20 years? How many owls have you seen? Oh, never, never once. <laughs> so, you're, so you're reading an essay, a shaman is reading an essay about shamanism in an article about UFOs and owls and you see an owl. Like, yep. I feel like this stuff is normal for me now, but let me tell you, this stuff used to freak me out. <laughs> I was like so, like I'm kind of come to terms with it. I don't understand why I'm, I'm, I'm much better, I'm a little more grounded now, but this stuff freaked me out. I would just get so lost in the, in the anxiety over these synchronicities. So if the owl is a symbol, what, it's a symbolic of what? Earlier I said, that these, are hard, these experiences are hard for me and have been hard for me. You know, I went through a hard period. And in a way, I see the owl as the totem of the challenging experience. UFO contact, owls show up around the time of death, shamanic initiation, meditation, people taking mushrooms see owls. These are all transformative experiences. So if the owl is a symbol, it is the symbol of something, in my opinion, something difficult. For this research, I have an iPad. And it's, it's great, it's an awesome research tool, right? You're sitting at your desk, you're like, I gotta, someone wrote about this in a book, I gotta get the book, and 10 bucks, within minutes, you're, you're searching the book, and there's a search engine on the iPad, and, you can, and the word I wanna search is owl. So, so again, you just type in a little search engine, this is an image here, from, this is from uh, Abduction by John Mack, and unwittingly, I took the screen grab at 11, 11 a.m., and I'm searching owls, but the problem is that other words show up, right? Because it, it, it's just those letters. So the word embedded, the word embedded in owl is knowledge. So I'm like doing my research on my iPad. I'm like, knowledge, I'm, I want owls. So I 
swipe past knowledge, let's just move past knowledge, okay, let's knowledge, let's move past knowledge. It very quickly became a metaphor for the research itself. I had to move beyond knowledge. I had to follow my heart. Knowledge, logic, dictated, this is impossible. This is impossible. There's no way this can happen. Owls and UFOs cannot be connected. It's absurd. I am not involved. This could not involve me. Logic dictates. I'm not going there. But I did follow my heart. This last story I refer to as my confirmation event. It's going to take me about a half hour to tell this. Up until March 10th, 2013, I was unable to say that I was a UFO abductee. I still don't like that term. It's called kinds of baggage. I wish it was a better word. It's a word we're stuck with. But I don't feel that way anymore. From this, I feel like I'm able to share. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm able to say that I've had these contact experiences. Before, it didn't feel honest to say that, and now it does. I was returning from a UFO conference in, I was at the conference that they run annually in Arizona. I lived in Idaho, the conference was in Arizona, you look at a map, you gotta go through Utah. So I was driving north on the way home from this conference, and I was driving from Highway 89, and I, what I do is I sleep out on the side of the road. I don't pay for a hotel in a beautiful place like that, big open wilderness in the desert. And I, uh, so I knew, I said, I, I bet you I'm gonna, I know, I've driven years ago, I drove across Highway, Highway 20, this little thing, I looked at the map, I remember that road, it was nice, pretty, I'm, I'm gonna find a good spot there to sleep. So the sun goes down, I'm driving at night, I pull in, this is a Google image from the day, and, uh, and that's just a little turnoff, that's the Highway 20 there, a little turnoff, it just goes off into the sagebrush and in the juniper trees, and typical western spot, there's shotgun shells and broken glass and fire rings and stuff like that, so. Uh, but <clears throat> that arrow in the background is going to become important. So I lay down and lay my big fat sleeping bag down. I, it's cold that night. It's beautiful. There's a zillion stars out. And, I'm, and it's, i got a big pillow. i got a giant winter sleeping bag. It's a big, thick sleeping pad. And it's gorgeous. I love it. I love this. I wake up in the middle of the night and I see this. I look up on the hilltop. And this is an illustration. And I look up on this hilltop where the arrow was pointing down earlier. And I say to myself, lying there, calm, beautiful night, I say, that looks exactly like a landed flying saucer. And I think to myself, I'm like, got my like psychic mojo going, right? I'm like, I'm all, you know, vegetarian. And, and I should be, if, it's a, if, it's a, if it was a UFO, I would know it. I would feel it. I would be able to intuit that it's a UFO. So I look at this thing, I feel nothing. Well, I'll roll over and go to sleep. So... Two more times that night, I wake up. One time, there's a coyote howling, like right next to me. I don't see it. I'm like looking for this thing. It's like it felt like it felt like I could have taken a little dog bone out of my little dog biscuit out of my sleeping bag and just gone like that, and the dog and the coyote could have caught it in its mouth. I, I never saw it. It was loud. I've slept outside a thousand nights in the deserts. I've heard coyotes. Um, so many times I've never, ever experienced anything like that so close. 
Woke up a little while later and there's a light, glowing light behind this bush. I sit up in my sleeping bag and I do the thing, right? There's the bush and I try to like, from my sleeping bag, I try to do this. I'm like, oh, there's a light boom behind the bush. Maybe someone pulled a car up there. Didn't look like headlights, didn't look like the dome light of a car, didn't look like a flashlight, just this glow. So I laid back down and went to sleep. And all three of those times, I just stared up at this thing. Now, it actually, at one point, I could choose a pointer. At one point, so this, this light was not on earlier, you know? This one here at the side, it came on later. So when I first thought that light wasn't on, later it was. And I remember lying there thinking, like over the course of the night, I'm thinking, oh, that's a big house, and someone turned their porch light on, like, a little, like the lawn light. They flipped it on, and that's the lawn light out there. Um, I drove home the next morning, got up early before the sun came up. I don't remember seeing this the next morning. I, I may not have looked. I just simply don't have the memory of seeing this the next morning. Got in my car and drove off. This was daylight savings time. That, that was the day of daylight savings time. It was Sunday morning, and I was like, the clocks just were so screwed up. I'm like, wait a minute, this is, what time is it? The thing, clock says this, and then the radio says this, and like, so I was like, what just happened? Uh, there was no missing time that I could tell, but the clocks were all screwed up. But that was normal, that, I, I know why the clocks were screwed up. Um, so I got home to my house in Idaho, and the first thing I did is I sat down at my desk, and I love to make maps. I have all kinds of knowledge of making maps with, with just simple online Google programs. So I got on Google Maps, and I made this program, and, or this thing. So this is, this is what I, so here's where this yellow marker is where I was sleeping. This green marker, and I am certain, I am absolutely certain that is where the big round structure was. It's 1.6 miles between these two spots. Went back there a year later, that's where it should have been. Now, in this previous slide here, if, like, if, there had been, if, there's, if there was a big house up there, as big as it should have been, there should have been a road going up there. I should be able to see it very clearly. There should be, so nothing. So nothing at the top of this hill. That's, so I did what I always do in this context. I made a blog post. I came home. I said, ah, slept out on the stars. I saw this weird orange thing, or this weird, uh, not orange, excuse me, uh, this weird round structure. That was posted at 12.34 p.m. <laughs> I'm standing near my desk, having posted this thing. This is hard to explain, because this is all, this is like, this happened to me. Standing near the desk, all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, I get this psychic flash. I just get this psychic knowing visual. It lasts for one second, close, gone. And the visual I got was a map of southern Utah with a yellow line and three markers along the line. And I knew. I knew this was, this was the, the westernmost one was the event that had just happened the night before. I knew the easternmost one. That is something that happened back in 2010, May of 2010. <clears throat> in May of 2010, I was in Dolores, Colorado. I was traveling around the west. I had a friend, Natasha, and she was from Germany. And we had met at a UFO conference. She's had her own experiences. And we're driving around the West. It was such a fun trip. We're driving around the desert, camping. And um, we would camp out under the stars a lot. So driving along, the brakes are acting up. I a little old Subaru. The brakes are acting up. And, and I pull into this town. And I go to the, uh, the uh, little mechanic on this main street. A couple people had recommended. So I'll go to this place. It's a good place. So we went there. And... Um, Pulled the car in. They said, okay, we'll give you, just give us a little bit. We'll talk, look at the brakes. And this guy comes out about 20 minutes later. He's got the oily rag, and he comes out of the garage, and he goes, well, I can't let you leave town, or you'll die. 
<laughs> and like, uh, okay, you gotta explain what you mean. He's like, well, the, the, the brakes are acting up and they're a little fragile and if I, they're due to break, they're gonna break and I cannot, if you were driving high speeds and the brakes failed, I would be held liable. Okay, so what does this mean? It's like, well, I just order the part and uh, we'll put it in. But it's gonna take five days for the part to come in. So like, what happened? So he and the guy, they knew someone who had the rental car place and they worked out this really good deal. So for the next five days, Natasha and I had a rental car. <coughs> and that night, the night that the, we took the car to the mechanic, he, uh, the couple people in town said, oh, you want to camp out of town? There's this great spot. You just take this forest service road and forest, that's FS road, forest service road. And, the, and out west is very common. Just pull off on the side of these forest service roads and people camp there all the time. So it's free camping. And we set our tent up and, and Natasha was nervous that night in town. So we set our tent up and go to sleep and it's at 11.30, we woke up screaming. Both of us woke up screaming in terror. I have never felt anything like this. I've n I, I have never experienced that level of intensity in my life. I've, I've actually called it synthetic fear. It feels like it, it's, it was irrational. It was beyond any kind of normal fear. If a grizzly bear had ripped open the tent and put its jaws around my throat, I would not have been as frightened as I was in that moment. She felt the exact same thing. It lasted for about 10 minutes, and then we were both asleep. Now, the next thing I remember after falling asleep is this floating sensation. So all of a sudden, I have this elevator up feeling, and I'm like, going up. Now, one of the things, as I was floating, I saw on the side of the tent this thing I'm calling a mandala. It looked like a pizza pan. It looked like a, it was just this flat, two-dimensional disc pizza pan. I'm floating. The next thing I know, I've passed through the roof of the tent, or more like, like just like a lap dissolve, and I was in this other realm, I was in this white realm, and as I'm floating, I'm saying, I have to remember this, I have to remember this, I have to remember this, I have to remember this. That very quickly changed to, am I on a table? Am I on a table? Am I on a table? The next thing I remember was Natasha, with her German accent going, Mike, you're floating, and then <laughs> I was back in the tent. Now, I don't think this is actually what happened, but that is my memory. This pizza pan, I called it a mandala the next morning. I made some notes. I had a little drawing of it the next morning. The mandala is a, is a symbol, ancient sacred symbol. Carl Jung said the mandala is the symbol of the self. Now, this symbol is also called the monad, which is, a, which is a Pythagorean symbol, and it's meant to express the conception of the one, the source of everything. It's also known as the Godhead. So at that moment, in that tent, feeling that experience, for reasons I don't understand, I saw a symbolic representation of God. The next morning I wake up, I, I turn to Natasha and I'm like, what happened last night? And she's like, I don't know. It's like, what did you see? She said, I saw a face. I'm like a face, I didn't see a face. What did it describe the face? She said, I can't. I said, where was it? 
She was right there, and she points to the same exact spot that I had seen the mandala, the pizza pan. So I get out of the tent, and I'm walking around the tent, and I'm looking for the burn mark where the flying saucer landed, and there's nothing. Birds are chirping, it's a pretty day. Later that day, I take my shirt off, and I have this weird scratch. It starts at my left shoulder, goes down to my belly button. And, but it was, it looked like a single cat claw or a single rose thorn had been dragged across my skin. And I, and then, but when you looked at it closer, it wasn't that at all. It was like a tiny, a row of tiny fluid-filled blisters. One after another, just, you had to really look closely. A couple days later, I took a shower and just washed off, it was gone. At the time, Natasha and I both felt like we were UFO investigators, which was the kind of stuff we were into, and washed away, it was gone, and both of us went, <gasps> why didn't we take a picture? We didn't, it never even crossed our mind. We were taking pictures of every cactus and sunset. And <laughs> so the morning after, we, there's a woman named Miriam Delicato. She's, an ex, she's a contactee, that's the correct term for what she's experienced. She's a contactee, and she had spent a lot of time in the Four Corners area down in that part of, of uh, where Colorado and Arizona and Utah and, and New Mexico all collide there, and, and uh, she, we said, what do we do? She said, you go to talk to my friend, and you're gonna do a sweat lodge ceremony with her, my friend. So he gives us the number, and we contact this guy in Canyon de Shea, and that's him. There's Natasha, there's me, I'm holding a cat. Um, and that fellow in the middle was a uh, Hopi native, and there's a handful of other people around, and the, he, he did this ceremony in this sweat lodge. This is my sketchbook. And it was a beautiful, really powerful experience. So the theme was surrender. We spent hours in this thing and he'd beat the drum and he would chant and he would tell us fables and we'd go, we'd put more rocks on the fire and it was so hot in there, we're dripping with sweat and we're just collapsing. And the theme was surrender. So what I just told you was a long story. At the beginning of the story, was a guy saying, you can't leave town or you'll die. And at the end of the story is this beautiful, shamanic ceremony of death and rebirth. Now, <clears throat> this map, right? Okay, so you take a straight line, right? You take two points and you want to and you pull a straight line, you pull it nice and taut, it's perfectly straight. You can do that between any two points. What I saw in my dream was three pushpins. So I was like, where was the other thing? I've had all kinds, of, I've spent a lot of time in that area. So I was like, I gotta figure, where was this thing? What happened? Oh, that's right. Natasha and I were traveling in March of 2011, and we, we camped alongside the Burr Trail Road. It's this rural road, it's a scenic back highway. It's usually just a truck, the initial few miles are asphalt, and then it turns to a dirt road. It's this beautiful, famous road in southern Utah. So we had been at a UFO conference in uh, this was in very early March, and we had been at a UFO conference in the same one, the UFO com uh, Congress, and we're driving back to my house in Idaho. So we were, let's go through the desert and sleep out under the stars, and it was great, it was beautiful. We found this great campsite. So this red pushpin is where we're camped. Here's the asphalt Burr Trail Road. Here's a little teeny dirt road on the sand. It's a really sweet spot. It's just off the road, super, like, 
Nobody's back there. People in southern Utah are wonderful. There's no issues at all. It's just, so, um, now I had, this is nighttime, the stars are out, it's cold, it's beautiful. I had been driving all day. I was kind of burned out and tired. I had to sleep. Natasha was from Germany and she was jet lagged. She was like, wakes me up, Mike, I can't sleep, what do I do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, um, go for a walk, it's pretty. She's like, really? So yeah, just walk along the roads. Nobody, it's really safe here. Don't worry. It's like just you can go for a walk. She's like, okay. She walks off. Now, while she's off walking, so she goes, she walks down the dirt road here and gets on the asphalt and walks this way. And while I'm, while she's off, I'm kind of drifting in and out of sleep, and I'm right here, and I hear. As far as I can tell, there was a great horned owl in that bush, right near my head. I never saw it. It was loud. I've never had an owl that close to me hooting. I cannot, telling this now, I cannot separate this from the coyote that was howling in the first part of this story. So while I'm lying there listening to this owl, Natasha is off walking in the, on the, there's the asphalt road. This is from, so I did a little, this is Google, I played, I put the pretty stars in there, but that's kind of what it looked like zillions of stars in the desert night, cold early spring night, and she's walking along. She says it was so magical. She's walking along the road. She actually says, I was sparkling. It was so cool. It was so quiet. I was sparkling. Then she looks off, and there's this, this someone with a flashlight in the bushes, and she walks kind of towards it, and she's looking at this thing, and it, she realizes it's too low for anyone with a flashlight, and it's moving in this really eerie, smooth way, and it's moving along, and she's looking at it, and she's like, it's about the size of a beach ball. And she walks towards it, trying to figure out what this thing is, and then poof, it disappears. Poof. And then she's scared. She runs back to me. I'm lying there. She says, Mike, we've got to leave. I'm like, well, well, what just happened? She explains what happens. Like, uh, okay, let's go. So we pack up the car. It's about four in the morning. We start driving. Now, this whole thing, this whole story ties back to the line on the map, right? So the line on the map. Now, I'm at my desk in Idaho, and I've got this map thing, and I've been trying, and I was like, oh, this is exactly where we were. You've got little things. You turn on little, little layers of your map. You have your push pins, and the yellow line is on a separate layer. The yellow line's turned off. So I'm like, I'm like okay, well, wait a minute. Okay, so this, that's exactly where I was. I was listening to an owl right there. Natasha sees a bright flash of orb. And um, what happened? Next, changed everything, changed everything. My life, one part of my life ended and a new part began. I pushed the button that brought up the yellow, little yellow line and that's what it did. I was alone in my house, staring at a computer screen and all doubts vanished. This is a close up. That yellow line bisected exactly where I was laying. Now, in olden times, right, so you turn the clock back like 10 years ago before Google Maps and stuff like that, you had a paper map, right? So if I had a paper map and I, and I marked it with two push pins and took a ruler and drew a pencil line across it, that pencil line might be a mile thick, right? So now, not anymore, right? Now we can get that, I can get this thing one pixel thick and it crossed over where I was laying listening to Great Horned Owl. At that moment, all the doubts that I had talked about earlier were gone. Any sense of denial was gone. Actually, it was really nice. Like, like I realized I had been living with a tape loop in my head that had been saying, 
This, can, this, is, this could never happen. This is, this is unreal. That tape loop had stopped. It was gone. At one end was a coyote. At the other end was a shamanic ceremony. In the middle was an owl. I cannot separate this, these symbolic images. This is, how my, this is how I love this stuff. I love making maps. I love sleeping out under the stars. I love this kind of imagery. I feel like I was the only one on earth who could have played detective and put these puzzle pieces together. So two of the events were with, Nash, with Natasha, and then one I was alone. The event on March 10th I was alone, the other two events I was with Natasha. March 10th is Natasha's birthday. Here, this event here took place in Dolores, Colorado. Dolores C. Natasha had studied hypnotherapy with Dolores Cannon. I got a few extra minutes. I'll tell one more story. During all this research, I was visiting my mom in the hospital. She was dying of Alzheimer's. We would take turns with my family, my brother and sister, someone was with her. I went just out, and we were taking turns, I left, and I was checked my email, and I got this story. This woman sent me a story and said she was, as a teenager, back in the early 70s, was very depressed had been dealing with severe clinical depression, and she was gonna kill herself. She got in the car with a hose to take from the tailpipe and bring into the car, and she had a pillow so she could lie down. And she had a spot all picked out in the woods. She was gonna go to this spot. She's driving at night in a snowstorm. She's and she is getting ready to turn into that spot and this owl flies up. She describes it as hovering. They lock eyes. She said she stared at this owl for 15 seconds. And the owl flew off. And she turned around and came home. She's still alive. She's a happy grandmother now. Since looking into this stuff, starting with that first event with Kristen in the mountains. I no longer look at reality the same way. Whatever's going on, I think that metal spaceships with little scientists from another part of the galaxy is too simplistic. Something deeper is unfolding. Something very mysterious is taking place beyond the veil. I feel like I'm walking down this path. I feel like all of us are walking down this path and we're being confronted with these clues at twilight. And I feel like these clues, for me, doing this research, these clues are always there. They are either whispering or screaming. <laughs> and for reasons I don't understand, owls have been showing up along this path. 
I did an essay a while ago and I said, the owls pushed me off a cliff. And my friend read this and she said, like, is that, that's a little over the top, don't you think? And I'm like, no. It was the owls. I denied everything. I denied all of it. And it was the owls that played the role of alarm clock and woke me up. It was not seeing the aliens in the backyard. It was not the missing time. It was not the UFOs. It was the owls that forced me to look into my own life and my own experiences. Owls are messengers. They are delivering a message. The challenge is, do I have the bravery not only to hear that message, but to truly live it? Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.